Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome to the Mansion on the Hill. This is the home of Terry's Serious Moments. Stories of oddness, of weirdness of nature gone strange. This is season four. We thank you for coming along for the ride. Hope you enjoy it. Celtic culture has always feared an array of evil forces. The ancient Celts had hundreds of deities, but as with most cultures, they had their demons as well. Some of the Celtic monsters were originally gods, but later demonized as pagan creatures when many of the Celts became Christians. Here are some of the mythical Celtic monsters and stories. The Dereg Dua, or Dirg Dua, which is an Irish vampire. Dracula himself was Irish. He's an Irish creation. Irishman Bram Stoker created the modern image of the monster in his masterpiece novel. But there's also a vampire that resides right smack in the middle of Ireland. The Darag Dua, an Irish name meaning red bloodsucker, is a female demon that seduces men and then drains them of their blood. According to the Celtic legend, an Irish woman who was known throughout the country for her beauty fell in love with a local peasant, which was unacceptable to her father. He then forced her into an arranged marriage with a rich man who treated her terribly and eventually she committed suicide. She was buried near Strongbow's tree in Waterford and one night she rose from her grave to seek revenge on her father and her husband, sucking their blood until they dropped dead. Now known as Derag Dua, the vampire rises once a year using her beauty to lure men to their deaths. Not to worry, though, there is one way to defeat the Dirag Dua. To prevent the undead from rising from the grave is not a difficult thing. Simply build a pile of stones over their grave. Another legendary Irish monster is the Dullahan, a name that can be translated as Dark Man. Often portrayed in contemporary fantasy fiction, this foreteller of death is the Irish version of the Headless Horseman. The Dullahan rides a headless black horse with flaming eyes, carrying his head under one arm. When he stops riding, a human dies. Some versions of this legend say that the Dullahan throws buckets of blood at people he passes, while others say he simply calls out the name of the mortal that will soon die. As with most evil forces, the Dullahan has a weakness, gold. Don't we all? The Banshee. The Irish Wailing Ghost 
A famous Irish creature that some say teams up with the Dullahan is the Banshee, one of the most recognizable Celtic creatures, having made a guest appearance in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. The Banshee is a female spirit whose wail, if heard outside of a house, foretells the death of one of its inhabitants. Several versions of the Banshee legend say the feared ghost rode alongside the Dullahan in a black cart drawn by six black horses. The pair is said to whip the horses with the human spinal cord, but most legends say that the Banshee was terrifying enough on her own. Descriptions of her appearance vary, from an ugly old hag to a beautiful young woman, but all agree that the creature's blood-curdling wail will be heard three times before someone dies. The story of the Reverend Charles Bunworth and the Banshee took place in County Cork, Ireland in the 18th century. The Reverend was a much respected man in the area and admired as an accomplished harpist. When he became ill, local people became concerned, not by the immediate prognosis of his illness, which was not thought to be terminal, but the strange events that took place in the area prior to his demise. A servant of the household reported to the concerned family of Reverend Bunworth that he had heard the wailing of a banshee. He described how the woman had wailed and moaned and clapped her hands in despair, repeating the Reverend's name. Local people knew that this could only mean one thing, for the banshee was known to all as the lone female figure whose cries of despair herald an impending death. The Irish people knew her to be the beyond she, Beyonce? Or as we know it, Banshee. And it's also known in other parts of the Gaelic world. Seen as a messenger from the other world, which is both the home of the gods and the realm of the dead. The Banshee can take many forms, and she can be old, young, beautiful, or ugly. She is often heard but not seen, and her lonesome cry instills fear into those who hear it. The family of Reverend Bunworth dismissed the talk of the servant as mere superstition, for the reverend's health appeared to be improving. His condition declined, and on the night before his death, events took a further turn. Reverend Bunworth had been moved downstairs to sleep. Outside of his room, moaning and clapping was heard. When going outside to investigate, it was found that a rose bush close to the window had been partially dislodged. There was no sign of any humans that could have made the noises or dislodged the bush. Those who had remained inside the house once again heard the sound of moaning and clapping. As the night wore on, the Reverend's health worsened, and by the time that dawn broke he had expired, as many said, had been predicted by the arrival of the Banshee. Balor is the demonic god of death in Celtic mythology. Sporting one eye and a single gigantic leg, the evil creature was king of the Fomori, demons who lived in the dark depths of lakes and seas. Balor can kill someone just by staring at them with his evil eye, so he kept it closed most of the time, so as not to constantly be tripping over dead bodies. The god of death would provide his Fomori with victims, but the evil race was left to their own devices when Balor was killed by his son Lug, who shot him with the slingshot. Now the Fomori have returned to their waters and transformed into sea monsters who prey on humans. Though they're not so much demons, Sluach are scary creatures that hunt down souls. According to Irish folklore, Sluach are dead sinners that come back as malicious spirits. These spirits come from the west, flying in groups like flocks of birds, 
and try to enter a house when someone is dying to take away that person's soul. Some Irish families would keep their west-facing windows shut at all times to keep the sluag out of their homes. Some say the sluag is the Irish version of the Wild Hunt, a European folktale about ghostly hounds or spirits traveling around in packs, foretelling of death and disaster. Carmen is the Celtic goddess of evil magic. According to one version, Carmen was a Greek warrior from Athens and invaded Ireland and roamed around with her three evil sons, Dub, or darkness in Irish, Dothur, or evil, and Dane, violence. They were destroying anyone or anything in their path. Carmen put a blight on Ireland's crops and terrorized the Irish until the Tuatha de Danann, the peoples of the goddess Danu, who became a tribe of the little people, used their magic to fight and defeat her. They called upon four members of the group, Aimac Olamain, Bikuwil, Crid Inbiel, and Luc Lebach, and drove her sons across the sea, never to return, as long as the land was surrounded by water. Their mother was a bit more of a problem, but after a spell cast by Bikuil, Carmen and her magic was subdued. The witch was chained and imprisoned, and she died in 600 BC, misguidedly referred to as BCE by many confused scholarly types. Before her death, Carmen requested a fair to be held at her burial place. The Kelpie is a monster right out of Celtic myth. The creature can take on multiple shapes, but usually it appears in the form of a horse. The Kelpie galloped around Ireland, looking like a lost pony, attempting to trick women and children into riding on it. But the strange thing about this pony is that its mane would always be dripping with water. If a woman hopped on, the monster would then run into the water, drowning its victim, and then would take her to its lair to eat her. The Irish demon would sometimes transform into a handsome man to lure women to its trap. But a telltale sign that it was a Kelpie was if that man had kelp in his hair. Oddly enough, Kelpies were often closely associated with Scotland, and there are those who believe that Loch Ness's Nessie, the Canadian Lake Okanagan monster Ogopogo, and the Lake Champlain monster Champ may somehow be connected to the myth of the water horse or Kelpie. Quitternock, thought by some to be the devil's mother, is a demon that was fought off by St. Patrick when he banished the snakes out of Ireland. The saint is said to have stood on the mountain, now known as Patrick, and expelled all the serpents and demons out of the Emerald Isle into the sea to drown. One monster, however, managed to escape. Quitternach, the fire spitter. The demon slid down a mountain away from the saint, but Patrick spotted her and chased her down upon the fastest horse in Ireland, which had been brought to him. The pursuit was a long one, and Quirinach knew St. Patrick would need water to quench his thirst along the way, so she spit fire as she fled and poisoned every well she passed. Though the saint was desperately thirsty, he refused to drink from the poison wells and prayed for guidance. Patrick eventually made it to the Hawk's Rock, where he waited for Quirinach. As the demon approached, he jumped out from his hiding spot and banished her from Ireland with a single word. 
the evil fire spitter drowned in the ocean, leaving a swell behind that created the famous Hawk's Well. Both a muse and a demon, Lenin Shi is another one of Ireland's mythological vampires, in William Butler Yeats' world vision anyway. The fairy was a beautiful woman who was said to give inspiration to poets and musicians, but at the price of their lives. She would make the artist her lover, sharing with them her intelligence, creativity, and magic. But when she left, the men would be so depressed they'd die. Lean and she would then take her dead lovers back to her lair. Rather than directly suck the blood of her victims, Lean and she got creative and collected their blood in a giant red cauldron, which was the source of her beauty and artistic inspiration. As with Derag Du, to prevent the undead, Lean and she from rising, one must put a cairn of stones over her resting place. Another snake-like evil Celtic creature is the questing beast, a monster with the head of a snake, the body of a leopard, the backside of a lion, and the hooves of a deer. The beast's constant cry was said to sound like the bark of thirty dogs. The questing beast, known to be quick, was hunted down by many a knight, and in Celtic myth was chased by King Pellinore. This beast appears not only in the legends of King Arthur, but also in Edmund Spencer's epic tale, The Fairy Queen, which, in part, tackles the troubled relationship between England and Ireland in the 16th century. Whispered across misty ages from times long gone are stories of the Kaliach, one of the ancient goddesses of the first people to walk in Ireland, queen of the mighty glaciers that once clenched the land in its frozen grip. Many tales are told of the old hag, but fewer speak of her consort, the Bodach. His name means the old man or the poor farmer, and it may be that he was father in some manner to the Banshees, for his appearance usually foretells death and disaster. Dressed in poor and rustic clothes, maybe chewing a straw with an old hat perched low on his head, the old man looks on with dark and knowing eyes filled with laughter at the doings of mortals soon to pass. The Bodach loves to play tricks on people, and especially on children, tricks of a sort that don't usually end well. He comes down chimneys in the form of a shadow and slips through open windows or even thin cracks too narrow for such as a mouse to get through, poking and irritating people, keeping them away. But it is said that he will not cross salt, spread in a hearth, or across a threshold. His name is mentioned in the foot race of the Fianna when Prince Ironbones of Thessaly, best of the Fianna, to beat him in a run from Ben Eter to Munster. Fionn couldn't find their best runner, but while he was searching, he came across the Bodach who agreed to run the race. Well, the Bodach got up late, missing the start of the race entirely, but then overtook Iron Bones twice, stopped again to get some blackberries for his lunch, and even ran backwards, looking for his lost coat. But when all was said and done, he still won the race. For all his sinister reputation, he was also known as the King of Maymel, the Plain of Delights. This was said to be a pleasurable paradise, but it was no afterlife, being reserved for the living, and of them, only a select few who were chosen to visit and were bold enough to make the journey. Here there was no death or hunger, no sickness or suffering, 
only music, youth, and strength, life, and all pleasurable pursuits. Maymel can be many places and in many times, but it most often appears as a mystical island off the west coast of Ireland. Beware, though, should you long for your family and loved ones back in the realms of the mortal. For if you should set but a foot on mundane earth after spending too long at Maymel, you may find the weight of every year you have missed landing on your shoulders and all the heavier for it. When St. Patrick banished the serpents from Ireland, there was one who was overlooked, perhaps because he slumbered or was abroad himself, and that one was called the last great reptile. Soon after St. Patrick passed away, he made his presence known as he was known of old to the people of Owenray. A giant serpent he was, and he could spit fire and venom in equal measure, tall as two men standing one atop the other at the shoulder, with mighty curling ram's horns, an ancient remnant from the beginning of the world. He was long enough to curl around a green hill in the dark valley near the Owenray River and hold his tail in his mouth. Black was his tongue and sharp as fangs, and his armored scales were impenetrable plates larger than a man's head. No warrior could defeat him, and he began a reign of terror from the slopes of the Sparrens to the shore of Loch Foyle, burning crops, cattle, and people before devouring them in hunger and vengeance for his banished kin. The people of the area were at a loss as to what to do, so at last they turned to a holy man of the new faith, St. Merle Ohini, who had built a church in Banagher, whose ruins can still be seen today. St. Merle heard their cries and fasted for nine days and nine nights, as was the way of Christians about to face a mighty enemy. And while praying, he saw a vision of how he might defeat the dragon. He brought three long reed rods with him and came to the dragon's pool, where the beast curled up between raids and called out. Well, the dragon raised his fearsome head, all dripping with pond weed and mud, and laughed aloud, for he thought the locals had sent him a sacrifice as his kind had come to expect in the days of the pagans. The dragon mocked him and made as if to draw closer. But St. Murrah kept his cool and asked the dragon if he could perform an ancient ritual of his clan. Greatly amused at this human folly, the dragon laid down and allowed the saint to lay the rods across his back. Just as the dragon began to tire of this game and announced it was time for dinner, St. Murrah asked for just a little longer so he could pray to complete the ritual. With that, he went to his knees and prayed to God the Father Almighty with great passion and faith to turn the reed rods to unbreakable steel, making the sign of the cross, and so it was done. The reeds wound about the dragon and tightened, and no matter how much he thrashed and howled, shaking the earth for miles around, he couldn't escape, and the more he fought, the tighter his bonds got. The dragon finally wearied and groaned, complaining that he had been tricked. But the saint wouldn't let him go, for he knew the dragon was a malevolent beast with no honesty in his heart. Again the dragon protested, saying that no human could have authority over him. But Saint Murrow explained to the dragon that he, the dragon, was a living creature created by God, and so was subject to God's commands. Then the saint declared that his punishment was to be cast into the waters of Loch Foyle, 
But before he did so, the dragon begged one last favor, that he might be allowed to look upon the Sianacht, that is, the stretch of land from Banagher and the Sparrens to the shores of Loch Foyle from his watery tomb. This much mercy, but no more, did St. Merle allow, and into the deeps the dragon went, until the judgment. Up to the present day, people in the area say they feel fear when they cross certain parts of Loch Foyle, and the odd tides and disturbances in the water's currents defy explanation. When the river Owenray floods, they say it is due to the dragon struggling with its bindings. There is an air of mystery about Loch Ascent in Sutherland, Scotland. A freshwater loch, it lies in a spectacularly beautiful setting surrounded by the mountains in the area of Ascent, noted for its wonderful landscape. Loch Ascent is beautiful and it takes its mood from the many changes in weather conditions that take place in this part of Scotland. Sometimes the water is still, calm and like a mirror, reflecting the magnificent surrounding snow-capped mountains. At times, the waters are whipped up by the winds that sweep down the hillsides. At its most mysterious, it is shrouded by a mist that swirls over the flat surface of the loch. Every sound, some that can be identified and others that can't, echo around the water's edge. It is the type of setting that is ripe for stimulating the imagination. Scotland, like other Celtic nations, abounds in myths, folklore, and legend, stretching far back into prehistory. Be they forests, lochs, glens, mountains, ancient burial chambers, cairns, or darkened corners of old towns and cities. Often fueled by actual historical events involving dark deeds, Scotland's battlegrounds, old houses, and castles are also noted for stories of the supernatural and ghostly activity. Castles that stand in remote landscapes can be particularly suggestive of this type of paranormal phenomena. Ardbreck Castle is one such place. Ardbreck Castle stands on a rocky promontory at the edge of Loch Ascent. Built towards the end of the 15th century, it was the seat of the MacLeods of Ascent. Originally, a three or four story rectangular building, it was later extended and the accommodation improved with the addition of a tower. Like many Scottish castles, Ardbreck has a dark and troublesome history. It has been the site of sieges, murders, and executions involving inter-McLeod fighting as well as battles with traditional enemies. It was the place where James Graham, Marcus of Montrose, was imprisoned in 1650 after defeat at the Battle of Carbisdale. He met a very grisly end after being transported to Edinburgh where he was executed on 21 May of 1650 by hanging, drawing, and quartering. Ardvrek Castle was lost to the MacLeods in 1672 when the Mackenzies took over the castle after a 14-day siege. Given the history of the site, maybe it is of no surprise that the castle is said to be very haunted. Ghosts include that of the weeping daughter of a MacLeod chief. She took her own life by throwing herself from a window of the castle and drowned in Loch Ascent after being fooled into marrying the devil. It was said to have been part of a pact in order to save the castle for her father. It is reported that she can be seen walking along the beach close to the castle. When the mists 
shroud the loch, some claim that her presence can still be heard by the sounds of heart-rending sobs that are both unsettling and fill those that hear it with overwhelming sorrow. There is a variation in this story of MacLeod's lost daughter and her continued presence at Loch Ascent. There are some who hold to the story that instead of leaping to her death, she survived and hid in the caves under the loch, where she remained in hiding from the devil to whom she was betrothed. This new existence under the water led to her transformation into a mermaid, and so becoming the elusive creature in the loch known as the Mermaid of Ascent. When the level of the water in the loch rises, it is said that it is because of her tears being shed in lament for her previous life. Rather than a mermaid, others describe the creature as a selkie, which is a Scottish mythological creature capable of shape-shifting and taking another form. Scottish castles, however, tend to offer more than one ghostly apparition. So those visiting Ardvrek Castle, who do not hear or see the ghost of the daughter of MacLeod, might just catch a glimpse of another ghost who wanders the ruins. That of a mysterious man dressed all in gray, who has been suggested to be the ghost of the executed Marquis of Montrose, or someone forever damned for being involved in his betrayal. Legends and myths, such as the Weeping Mermaid of Ascent, are often used to give an explanation for the physical features of an area. There are examples of this throughout the Celtic lands. One such is the Devil's Bit Mountain in County Tipperary, Ireland, which rises to a, a level of 1,570 feet above sea level. There is a small gap in the mountain between one outcrop of rock and another small plateau. A gap according to local legend, created by the devil taking a bite from the mountain. He broke his teeth taking this bite and spat the rock of Cashel from his mouth to where it now stands 20 miles away. In the case of the Inchnadamph, the area of ascent surrounding Ardvrek Castle, the devil also played a part in the local geography. When angered by the broken promise of marriage, he summoned meteoric rocks to fall. Scientific findings do indicate that Northwest Scotland was struck by an object from space around 1.2 billion years ago, causing a massive impact and scattering material over a large part of the region. The Moyne Thrust Belt, a geographic fault line around ascent, is in legend also said to have been caused by the devil, infuriated by the broken promise of marriage to the now weeping ghost of Ardbreck Castle beside Loch Ascent. The British Isles are surrounded in myths and legend. How many of these myths and legends are true or have a basis in truth, no one really knows. Do fairy folk really exist? Many say yes. Do the old gods and goddesses still rule and manipulate lives, nature, the weather? Many will believe they do. With the coming of Christianity to the Isles, many of the old beliefs were forgotten. Many were incorporated into Christianity. Many of the cities in the UK may be modern cosmopolitan areas, but much of the country, or the countries, is still rural and agrarian. Who knows the worship patterns of farm folk who live on isolated parts of the land? 
Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for being along for the ride. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. Aaron reads listener stories, mostly ghost stories, sometimes UFOs, sometimes cryptids. On Tuesday, Aaron Frail brings you Aaron's Horror Show, different things that he's written. He reviews movies, books, things like that. On Wednesday, it's me, Terry from Texas, with Terry's Mysterious Moments, where we talk about just about anything there is to talk about. And at the first weekend of the month, we have video from The Witching Hour and Unexplained Cases. Aaron has instituted a new area called Entertaining Short Films. That's exactly what they are. They're just short stories, nothing in particular, no particular genre, just entertaining. Remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have Apple or Android, download the RPA app, which is a black square with a blue eye in the middle of it. Download that to the device that you listen to the program on. Install it, and when you open that up, you can go straight to the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and its network. If you want to contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments, you can do that on the Facebook page, and it's called Terry's Mysterious Moments. Or you can email me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. Contact me if you want to. Let's talk about some things. That's about it. We'll be back again soon. So hang in there. Listen to the other shows. Have a good week, everybody.